Hello and welcome everyone to another InventRight live stream with Mr. Stephen Key and myself, Andrew Krause. Together we co-founded InventRight 23 years ago and since then we've had students in over 65 countries. We couldn't help all the people we do without our amazing coaches and the rest of our staff are absolutely great folks. Little, little tidbit of information, probably about 80% of people that work for InventRight are actually former students or members of InventRight. I think that was pretty cool that Steve and I did that. Everybody really believes in what we're doing. So let's get to that. What do we do? So what we do is we guide people, we coach, we mentor them to license their products. What's licensing? Well, it means you don't need to start a business, don't need to raise money, don't need to hire employees. When you license your product to a big company that's selling a product that's similar to yours, um, it's their money. It's their workforce and it's their distribution. So it's a great business model. You don't need to start a business. You don't need to raise money. You don't need to take all that risk. You can keep your day job or your business. Andrew, the, right? the biggest benefit today is speed, you know, and the best protection today. Everybody's worried about, oh, someone's going to steal my idea. You guys stop doing that. When you license to one of these companies, they've got a legal team, they, they've got distribution, they've got relationships with retailers. They're fast. So mm -hmm. it's the best protection you could possibly have. Yeah. And I always like to, to joke, which isn't really a joke. I really mean it. You can have delusions of grandeur and you're not delusional because that big company will do what they normally do, which is things that you could never do. You know, maybe they're selling half a million units a year, maybe 50,000. It depends on what the they typically do. But for you to start a business from scratch and do that kind of volume and have distribution, you know, that that's that would take years and years and years and years. Um, so you can think really big. Then welcome, Brian. As people start to stream in, go ahead, well, uh, introduce yourself and ask some questions. That would be great. Steve and I will just talk a bit as people start to stream in. Um, Steven, you got, I noticed you have April, one of our coaches, you yeah. know, she, she sent us this product. It's a really cute product. It's a vegetable peeler. It's funny. It says, this is not a toy at the top. My daughter looked at it. She's like, how does this toy work? I'm like, Gia, it says right there, oh, this is not a toy. <laughs> but it's such a cute little vegetable peeler. I love this thing. That's great. The caterpillar. The caterpillar. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, sometimes, Stephen, people see kind of some of this stuff and they don't realize a lot. Some of our students are doing like medical devices or industrial products or all sorts of things that they might not see on our site because like we've got the companies looking, uh, sorry, the inventions for sale page with our students licensed products. You can buy their products right now on our website. We're having a giveaway where we're giving away three of our students products a week. So if you go to inventright.com and click on inventions for sale, you can enter that giveaway every week this month, every week, keep entering. Okay. Um, and we're, then we ship them our students' products. But <laughs> when they go there, they're going to see consumer products, stuff that's on Amazon and elsewhere. But we have students that license products for industrial and commercial and medical applications. And obviously those products aren't, aren't up there. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Also, there's a lot of products out there that the companies do not want the public to know that they were a license from inventors okay all right yeah. because some of it they want to make those announcements themselves and they wanted to have their own ownership so those aren't up there but andrew we did that last 
I think last Christmas, we wanted to celebrate inventors by saying, hey, look, if you're going to buy a gift and, and if you are an inventor, why don't you go over there and buy uh, a gift from a fellow inventor and show your support? So it's called yeah. Inventions for Sale. You can't miss it at inventright.com. But what's really great about it, we're going to do giveaways. So please check it out, you guys. Sign up for the giveaways to support uh, your local inventor, and we're going to be happy to give those gifts. And, and you, you get to pick one of their products if you win. So that's cool. Absolutely. And then we'll, we'll ship it off to you. <laughs> Andrew, I'm going to do something today. And everybody you're listening, tell me if you uh -oh. Give me a thumbs up on this. I'm going to talk about the 16 different reasons why your product idea might be getting rejected. Hmm, that sounds great. Well, I mean, not great that it's getting rejected, well, great that you're going over it. <laughs> well, people don't, you know, they get a little confused and sometimes they, they don't know how to read between the lines when they submit an idea and they don't get some engagement or they're wondering what's going on or are they stealing my idea or what did I do wrong or all these things is going through their mind, but they don't really realize there's probably a reason why it's not happening. And I'm going to give 16 different reasons on this Q&A today of why your idea just might be. I, I love it. I would do that. I would do that like now, Stephen, because as what is just a, a suggestion. As you go through those, if people have thoughts, oh, but what if this, Stephen? I know you said that, but what if this? So if we want to kind of base a lot of the questions today on the stuff you're saying, because, right. you know, people, okay. you're saying something and then people need to type it back, then we can further elaborate on some of these too. All right. Um, hey, you guys, there's so many. I had to write them. I had to write them down. In fact, it's, it's in a, a chapter that I'm writing um, for one of my books. Okay. Here, number one. Your marketing material, your sell sheet or your video is just not selling for you, right? I mean, you've created this one-page advertisement of your product and maybe you have a one-minute video showing how your product's working, the benefit of your idea, but it's not done very well. In fact, that sell sheet, maybe it's just too amateurish. I hate to say it. I know a lot of you are doing it yourself and Andrew and I see so many of these that just look terrible. I hate to <laughs> You're trying not to they're say terrible. it. Uh, but yeah. they think they're doing a good job. They're doing it themselves. Maybe they've took a you know, graphic class, whatever. They're cutting and pasting on there. They're terrible. And so that's not helping you. In, in what ways are they terrible? Oh, maybe the images are all the same size you can't read it the benefits not clear the one line benefit statement at the very top is always wrong yeah. always wrong it's about features and it's got to be about benefits they always get that wrong so that could be one reason why your your material is that great now we now i'm going to give a plug here real quick you guys we do help people with their cell sheets creating 3d computer uh graphics of their prototypes so they don't even need a prototype we do that for people now, and, and we make sure it looks fantastic. And we've done thousands of these sell sheets for people. If you're interested, go to our site, InventRight um, Design Studio. You can find it. Maybe Andrew can put a link up there later. That if you need that type of service, we're willing to help you do that. Because we do it for a lot of people. We do it for our members, but we also do it for the public too. All right. All right, Andrew, number two. Mm -hmm. I think 
This is so you got you got how many do we have 16 or 17 you said 16 this is great i love i love that we're going to go through these and guys start typing stuff in um if you if you have something to expand on any of these either it's a comment or a question or anything like that yeah number number two and i think this is so common that it's it's mind-boggling and, and we see this too andrew and, and you know that you're sending your idea to the wrong company. <laughs> mm -hmm. You are, you, you think it's the right company. And I'll give you an example. You've got this kitchen gadget. It's a gadget, it's great, it's brand new. No one's ever seen it before, it's wonderful. And you send it to this wonderful kitchen company, OXO. Because you go down to the retailer, you have their products, OXO, they're everywhere. They've got great distribution, you love the company. They're a kitchen company, you have a kitchen gadget, you're thinking this is perfect. So you send it over to them and you don't realize because you haven't really read about who they are. And you, you know, because we, we, when we know, because we're, you know, Andrew, we know what companies and what we, you know, what they're doing. Our coaches know the companies very, very good. So we really know the industry, we know the companies, but most people don't know to do this type of work. So what happens is you're sending it to the wrong company. And when you do that, you know what happens? They put you in the amateur camp. And sometimes you can't even get out, right? Because you wasted their time and they know you're an amateur. So here it is. OXO, give me an example. They don't do gadgets. They don't do anything new. In fact, but they don't say that on their webpage. So you have to read between the lines. What they do is they take everyday items that have been selling for years and years and years. Everybody uses them. Everybody uses them, but just makes them better. Mm -hmm. but they're a kitchen company, but I've got a new kitchen gadget. So I think it's a good fit. It's a terrible fit. So you have to be able to read between the lines of what companies are looking for. That is probably one of the biggest mistakes we're making. And those companies do not like it. In fact, that's the biggest complaint they told me. People well, let's talk about reading between the lines. Um, it's to me it's uh, quite often it's just right there in your face if you look at a company's product line and look at all their products and you got this super if in this particular example super gadgety um kitchen gadget right it's really gadgety okay for the lack of a better word but when you look at oxo's line you know they got a vegetable peeler they got this or that and they're just like slight improvements it's very ergonomic and nothing that you look at that they're doing is super gadgety like yours you should be assuming like, oh, this product does not fit with this company based on looking at their product line. Andrew, but we're, we're as inventors, we're so excited. And we, we all, we think it's just getting to the company is the hardest part. Mm -hmm. And it's not the hardest part. You can get to anybody today, but if you're getting to them with the wrong product, that doesn't fit their product line, right away, they know who you are, and they understand they don't have time to teach you what you're doing. They put you in some other camp. All right, let me go to the next one real quick. Number number three, they're not inventor friendly. You're sending to a company that doesn't work with us. You're sending to a company that wants to use their internal designers in the back, not invented here, and they just don't want to work with us. But you're thinking, well, maybe, maybe if I show them an idea, but you haven't done enough homework to realize they're not friendly. Mm -hmm. Right, but you don't know that you haven't asked the right questions and you haven't done enough homework. So you're sending it to a company that this in fact you're sending it to a wrong company right away. You guys you need to avoid that because those guys, like I said, uh, now my my 
my thing is, you know, there's no way of, of, and you let me know if you think I'm wrong in this. When you make your list of companies, it's companies that are in major retailers you want to be in, right? So you know they're qualified. Oh, they're in this big retailer. Okay. They're big enough where, geez, if I license them, I'd probably be okay. Maybe later I determine they're not big enough, but usually they're going to be big enough. But I don't know if they're open to ideas or not. So the best way to determine if they're open to ideas is just to send your first product and you'll find out. We don't accept Wait, ideas. I, I think you, you better be careful with that, Andrew. I think why you have to ask for permission first. Oh, of course. Two, you of need course. to ask them if they're inventor friendly. Do they work with us? So there's yeah, some of course things. that's our process. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> got to do some stuff. You guys, let me get of to the course. There's so many of these, and I want to get to some of our questions too. Your product doesn't have a strong enough point of difference. There's too many similar products out there. It's crowded. How many phone holders do I need to see before I want to shoot myself in the head here, you guys? It's too crowded. And you're playing in an industry where there's, there's 50 other products that are too similar, too similar. You don't have the wow factor. You don't have enough for them to invest time and energy in it. It's, it's just not different enough. Now, what if it's a crowded category, but you have a decent point of difference? Then maybe you've got a fighting chance. Right, right. Because what that verifies to me, if there's so many products, there's a market for that type of product. But if you've got a point of difference, but if you're just a me too, and you're going to look like everybody else, no, that's not. All right, you guys, let's do another one real quick. We're going to do one more, then we're going to get to some questions right here. Okay. Okay, number uh, five. Number five, you miss their selling cycle. Hmm. What do you mean selling cycle, Steve? Well, well, every industry has a cycle when they do trade shows and they, they have a season, you know, and they, 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 there's a cycle and you miss it. You know, maybe the window is from September to, to August and you send it in June. <laughs> All right, Andrew, what I guess what, what we're getting at here, these are 16 reasons why you might be, might be rejected. And if you don't have this type of information, right? If, if you don't have this type of information, there's a very good chance you're fighting an uphill battle, right? That's why this information is critical. So let's go to a couple of questions. Now, let, let, me, let me comment on that. Our students, except for seasonal items, let's say you had a gardening item that's super seasonal they submit products all year long. But once you're in an industry and you're submitting a lot of products, you might realize there is a bit of a cycle. Th and, and I would say if you realize that, then you can, but you wouldn't advise a new InventRight student to go, oh, you got to wait four months before you can start no. submitting. We don't do that ever. No, 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 but realize, just realize this. They'll tell you there's no cycle. They will tell you that. Mm -hmm. We look at ideas anytime. Yeah, bullshit. You heard me say it. I never swear. Bullshit. There's a cycle. There is a cycle. Now, maybe you want to build a relationship and get to know them. Perfect. I understand that. But just realize if you hit it at the right time, your mm -hmm. chances are going to increase. Right. All right. So let's get to some questions. God, did I swear, Andrew? I, you know, you I, did. I, you don't normally. I pulled a Mark swear. Courtney, man. You know, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Let's, oh not, let's not go there. Let's not, let's not, let's not <laughs> swear too much. Um, you know, I, I swear so little. I was doing it on one of my streams once, and people were like, what's what's Andrew swearing for? I'm, I don't know what's going on here. You were, you were, um, getting, you were getting out of hand. Uh, Joey said, I'd love to schedule a consultation with you guys. Is that something you guys still offer? Um, yeah, you can you can go on our website, or you can give us a call. 
and you can talk to us. And, you know, we're going to tell you about the program. We're going to ask you a little bit about yourself. We're going to tell you about our coaching program. So, yeah. No, you can, you'll never get us on the phone. What do you mean, Andrew? We, we are you talking about? We pick up the of phone. Of course. We're pretty good about that. He's joking. Um, oh, okay. So, Joey also said, I'm curious about the story of Teddy Ruxpin, who was always in the background. That's the one toy I wanted so badly in the 80s. Um, I was a kid. For some reason, never got one. So, Stephen, uh, what was your involvement with Teddy Ruxpin? That was my first job. I'm 28 years old. I read an article about the startup company, Worlds of Wonder. I was living in Fremont, and they were going to launch this first talking teddy bear. And I went down there and told them, you need to hire me, and they hired me. And I was employee number 20. A year later, we had 1,000 employees. And my job, I was manager of design. So I got to see all the new products that came into Worlds of Wonder, and a lot of them were coming in. And then uh, I lived over in the Far East to help the manufacturing. But I got to work with some amazing companies. I remember we were doing all the Disney stuff. So I got to go down to Disney and work with those designers. I remember going back to New York with Henson because we were doing the Muppets. It actually was such a great part of my career because I got to see the inside of companies and what they were looking for and why they took some ideas and why they didn't take others. So it was a great experience. It, it also help launch your career as a product developer and licensor because you saw the inventor of Teddy Ruxman making a million dollars a month, right? And you're like, shit, you're a part I'm gonna say, I'm gonna swear. I'm gonna say shit, right? I should be uh, should be doing what he's doing. Well Andrew, I, I remember that day like it was yesterday because I'm in the I'm in China on the manufacturing line of Teddy Ruxman. Mm-hmm. And my job was making sure that those teddies were working, talking, looking great, going in those boxes to go in the container. So I'm in the factory with all the workers. Hmm. And I'm there, and I've been there for months, right, making sure everything was going right. And it finally dawned on me what my dad said. He goes, look, if you want to create great wealth, you're going to have to find something that doesn't require your hands and something that doesn't require your presence and something hmm. that has a multiplying effect. And it dawned on me what my dad was talking to me about in my world was product licensing because inventor Teddy Ruxpin wasn't there. He wasn't using his hands. And that multiplying effect, he had licensed to a company. So a factory was making this stuff. He was doing a million dollars of royalties a month. I quit. I was so excited about this. I was like, I'm done. I want people to make my stuff. So that's so you were you were 28 back in. So that was about 10 years ago. Pretty much. Okay. Thank you for making that type point, Andrew. <laughs> uh, uh, Ronald said it's not. Oh, let me start showing some of these questions here. It's nice. Ronald said it's not easy to break that insulator corporate has to pitch your idea to someone. Ideas, please. Um, it's really not that hard, except for the Googles and the 3Ms of the world, Stephen, and the Apples. It's really not that hard to get to marketing managers at companies, is it? No, it's not. You know, most companies that have embraced open innovation, that they want to work with people like us on the outside because they know a lot of their internal designers aren't doing a great job. They've opened the doors for us to submit ideas to them. So, but you have to get to them correctly. And what do you say if you're not, and I have, I've got my list here, you guys, and it's going to talk a little bit about getting to the wrong people too and saying the wrong thing. So it's it's not just hey I got this great idea. I want to talk to you, right? Do they have time to talk to everybody? No, no. no. 
And you've got to be on point, right person with the right pitch, or you're going to go nowhere fast. And and just because you've got this great idea that you think that that uh, if that's all it takes, no, it takes more than just a great idea. There's lots of great ideas that go nowhere. You have to work within their system, know who they are, and, and understand their culture a little bit and do some things that they want to bring you in, right? Do our do our members, do they pitch Stephen or do they use tools so they don't need to be a salesperson and don't really know how to pitch? Like what tools do they use? Yeah, Andrew, you know that question. They never have to pitch. You don't have to be a salesperson. I tell everybody, look, you don't have to be a salesperson. <clears throat> In fact, you don't want to be. You want to tell a story. And, and if you have good marketing material that we talked about the first thing why your product might be getting rejected, it sells for you, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be there. You don't have to be there at all because if that doesn't sell for you, it doesn't matter how great you are in the boardroom or how great you are in the sales pitch. It does not matter. It won't help. Your product needs to sell itself. And you do that with great marketing material. As Andrew uh, said, you're just a delivery man. All you are, you're just a, you're the U.S. with the U UPS guy. Yeah, you're the FedEx guy. You're delivering a package to them for them to open. I love when you say that because it's true. Sean said, given our current situation with the Chinese government, do you think it's a better idea to manufacture in the States? Stephen, I know there's a lot of talk about manufacturing overseas, but that's not changing overnight. I mean, there's still huge numbers of companies that, um, are making products in China. Uh, that's not going to change overnight. You have any thoughts hope, on that? I hope it does. I hope it changes. Well, I, ho I hope we all. We I think we, we do. We all, guys, come on. We're having difficulties over there. We have for years. It's got. It's getting harder and harder. And even um, the price point of products in China, because of the labor costs, have even gone up. So people are looking for other places. Mexico's becoming very popular. India mm. is and other places. So. Yes, you can still do that, but I think companies are looking for other options too. You know, I, I heard something funny just the other day. It's funny, sad, whatever. That the Chinese are now setting up factories in places where labor is cheaper, like Laos and Vietnam. <laughs> and you people, companies are bragging like, "Oh no, we're moving from China. We're going other places." And their their factories owned by Chinese companies in Laos and Vietnam. It's like, I, I so. Guys, I don't think it's, if it's something that's really important to you, you can decide. And I've had students that have said this, Stephen, I'll only license to companies that make it in the USA. Well, at this point, if you do that, you're probably going to have a really hard time. It's impossible. Yeah, but you're really going to limit your list. It is in flux. And I do think it's a good flux to be in. It's going to be a difficult situation, but I don't think it's going to affect you guys being able to license. Companies, you can't tell a company do something really different than what you do. They're going to do whatever they're doing now and they may transition, but you're not going to control this big company on where they manufacture. They're going to do whatever the hell they do. You know, um, that's hey, just real brilliant. quick. I want to say hello to Celeste. Celeste, I'm glad you liked that video I did for you. It took me a little while, but thank you for giving me the pointers and hopefully it works well, great. Tell, so. tell them about the video, what you did, because well, it's kind of cool. I don't think so. I don't want to talk to go public yet. Okay. Well, I think there's, she's going to make an announcement. So I, I don't really want to do, uh, Hey, I want to, um, before we get to more questions, I want to go to another, another point here real quick. <laughs> well, well, before you do that, Stephen, this is, this is what somebody wrote. Sometimes it doesn't show the person's name. So no worries. 
when I heard the number 16, because you got 16 mistakes inventors are making, I really got scared and want to give up right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is true, though. People do make a lot of mistakes. Oh, jeez. 16. I was nice to everybody today, and I, I cut it off at 16. Oh, we, we could do a lot more than 16. <laughs> yeah. You guys, hey, the one thing I want to tell everybody, and I'm going to say this real quick. You can do this. Okay, and I would recommend our coaching program. Here's here it goes, you guys. I'm gonna pitch. Oh come on, what a huckster you are! <laughs> I would, yeah. I, I look shameless plug, shameless plug. We have a coaching program that is so spectacular. Yes, yes, yes. I'm gonna say it. But for a lot of you that you're not quite sure what to do yet, or maybe you're not quite sure about your idea, or maybe you just want more information, go to our YouTube channel, InventRight TV. Close to 1,000 videos. We've got over 1,000 <clears throat> articles, five books. Come on, you guys. We give it all away. But here it is. If you want more information, now that's why people get shocked, Andrew, by this. We have the most comprehensive information on product licensing, I'm going to say, in the world. And we have that for our members. But now you can actually access that yourself, not becoming a full-time coaching student, but you can access that now for $29 a month. It's your do-it-yourself program that has over 300 hours of videos, samples of contracts, samples of sales sheets, everything you can imagine and more. There's no way you can get through all of it. Check it out. Andrew's going to put a link in there somewhere, sometime. We just, just go to inventright.com and then you, you're going to click on the service. Oh, Andrew, come on, make it easy for people here. Come on. Okay. There's my pitch. You guys, let me move on real quick. God, Andrew, I did a shameless plug. I've done two shameless plugs today. Mm -hmm. I did one on sell sheets and then one on our coaching. You're, but yeah, but I think you earned it because you're going to cover 16 points on things people are doing wrong. So I'm just terrible today with the shameless you're plug. Right, you're horrible. You are horrible. Yeah. I know. I'm a bad guy. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Number six, mm -hmm. um, you have over-designed your product. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, Andrew, if one thing's good, I'm going to add something else to it. Mm, kitchen oh, sink. Right. Kitchen oh. sink inventor. There you go. I, oh, my product does this, 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 does this, this, this. It does this. You guys. Yeah. I know sometimes you want to keep on adding these certain things to your product. But you know what you're doing? You're just adding cost. Hmm. Right. And you've added so much to it that you've just overdone it to where when they look at it, they're going, wait a minute, this thing's going to be way out of our, our range mm. of what our customers currently pay for similar products today. Mm -hmm. We might have a range from $19.95 maybe to $29.95, but with all the bells and whistles you put to it, now it's $59.95 or whatever. It's not mm. going to work. So stop. But how do you know? How do you know? How do you know how much is too much? How much is too little? Start how do you know? Start at the bare minimum, mm -hmm. right? Right, a great benefit of, of just that idea. The bare minimum. You can always add bells and whistles later, right? Mm. So, pricing is everything. You guys, don't forget it. Don't overdesign it. You know what looks really crazy when you try to cram all those when the Swiss Army knife kitchen sink inventor tries to cram all those. 15 features and benefits like into a sell sheet, then it's just like, whoa, okay, it's too much. And so we're speaking generally, guys. It depends on the product, but 
Um, sometimes you need to pull back on what features you're going to include. You okay, know. number seven. You're submitting your idea to what I call dinosaur companies. Mm. Those are dinosaurs. Companies are asking that you need a patent before mm. we'll even review it. Mm -hmm. Now, there's not a lot of those guys out there, but they do exist in some industries. And, and what they're saying to you, basically, we don't care what you have today. You have to have a patent. They really don't want to work with you. They're dinosaurs. They don't want to work with you because they're saying they're putting this wall because it's not about patents, right? Because you can over, you can work around a patent. It's about timing. It's about, a, it's customer service. It's about all this stuff today, but not about a patent. So when they throw this thing in front of you, you know what they're saying? We're a dinosaur and we're going to require you to do this. And they know that you don't have it. So go Yeah, away. and you know, those, those same companies, another thing that makes them a dinosaur is when you look at the products they sell, you can see they really haven't done anything very new in a long, long time. And sometimes those dinosaur industries, you'll notice there's like five, there's not a lot of as many players. It's like five players and none of them are doing anything new. They're just maintaining their current market share and they're not being innovative. And then on top of that, they're insisting you have a patent. It's like, well, shit, I, I could have a patent and you know they're still not gonna be interested, Stephen, because they just don't move the needle on innovation. So insisting on issued patents, ridiculous. <coughs> um, when you look at their product lines, nothing new in forever. Those are those are how we define dinosaur companies. Run, run from them. Hey, you guys, I want to get yeah. this one question here that has to do with one of the, the points that I just made about OXO, right? And OXO has a, a submission portal. Now, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know I'm not wild about submission portals, but OXO mm -hmm. has one. And I have to tell you, out of all the companies out there, their submission portal works. And Andrew, mm. I don't say that very often. And no, you never I, say that. You say don't use them ever is what you say. Ever. Don't ever use them. But this is the one company I would recommend to use it, and I'll tell you the reason why. And I spoke to the president of OXO a couple of years ago, Alex Lee, and he was an industrial designer himself. And and he's looking for those ideas. They take it really seriously over there. Those are, that's the one company that you can submit to, and they will get back to you in a timely fashion. They work with us. Most of the products at OXO, just so you know, are being licensed from either us or design firms. That's their model. So they take it really, really seriously. That's the one company. Now, you guys, you know how I feel about those portals. If any portal requires you to pay for it, run for the hills, it's garbage. Here's the other thing. If there's third-party portals that want you to pay for it, if they don't show any results, You mean like su success and licensing deals closed, you mean? Yeah, yeah. but they're charging you yeah. money? Forget it. It does not yeah. work. If, if But I don't like portals overall. I don't like portals because I think that little submit button is so tempting for you not to do any homework, but they just don't work. Now, now, Stephen, some people might think you were contradicting yourself earlier, but I know you're not. You're saying OXO doesn't want gadgets and, you know, because they don't do gadgety stuff. They do slight improvements. It's ergonomic. It has a little extra benefit. But you're telling me you just said that they do license products. So as long as you look at their product line and your improvement or change would fit in, they are open to licensing, but they don't want something super gadgety and too... 
most of their products are licensed. And we're just talking about one company. Every company is different, <coughs> right? They really handle the portal beautifully. But I can tell mm. you this. Sometimes I used to talk about them all the time. And, and when I do that, they shut down that portal. Well, they did shut down for a while. Alex was very open. And he came back, right? He came back to the company. Didn't I, he? I think they shut it down because we were talking so much about that company. And they got a bunch of junk. They just turned it off. Yeah. So, you guys, that's the reason why, too, that if you're sitting on stuff that doesn't fit, these guys are going to shut down those, those access to us. Mm-hmm. So, you got to send them good stuff. Okay. So Yeah, I, I, there's a difference between our students and our fans sometimes. Our, our, our students are getting properly guided on figuring out which companies are right for their product. And sometimes when our fans are watching us and they're new to it, they're new, Steve. And so, uh-huh. I understand. They're like, all they heard is the company's name and open to ideas. So they're just sending whatever and they're not knowing how to evaluate if it's right. And um, we've had, we've mentioned companies in the past and then they just get flooded and then they're like, Oh, can you guys knock it off? <laughs> no, that's, that's why we don't do it very often anymore. Those yeah. companies got upset with us. We had them on our YouTube channel. Companies looking for ideas. They got flooded. They were like, Steve, take them down because they're getting too many people that are too new at it. Right. So I want to talk- and that leads into something that, Andrew, I want to talk about real quick, too. Mm-hmm. Someone asked us, who are our typical students? Okay. There's no such thing as a typical InventRight member or student. There's no such thing. I agree. We have people that are very, very, very new at this. They're, we, you know, they're just at the very beginning of it, right? And they, they want good information. They want their hand to be held. They want to make sure they're doing everything right. And they're learners. They, they realize how important it is to have someone help them learn a process, but they're very new at this. We also have another group that comes in that has um, done some things. Maybe they filed a PPA, they've done a sell sheet, they've done everything, and they've done a couple of things, and, and they, they call themselves too far along. I really love it, but they're really not, and they realize it very soon that because things aren't working, and mm-hmm. then come to us, we're like, no, you're not too far along. You've just started. Hmm. You're, you're, you're at level one, and we want to get you to level three or four. So just because you've done two things, you're not far along. In fact, it says to us, you're ready. That's all it says to us. You're actually ready. You're, you've committed. You've educated yourself a little bit. You are perfect for us, right? Hmm. Now, the, the, other, the other group that we see quite a bit are people that have ventured, hmm. right? And they ventured. They want to manufacture, and they realize, I don't want to do that. They realized it wasn't, it sounded easy. I could get product made. I could put it on Amazon, but it's not working. 10,000 units in their garage and they're like losing money. I've seen a wide range of people in that category. I talked to a guy in Florida about six months ago that was in the hole a million dollars. And then I talked to people that are doing actually quite well with that sometimes on the other end of the spectrum. But they're like, I'm suffering. I'm drowning here. I know a big company can do better. Most people are like in between, you know, they're selling 50 units, 500 units. Some people are like, Andrew, I'm making minimum wage. You know, uh, I want to do better. I know a big company can do better than myself. Maybe Um, they want to scale too, Andrew, you know. So they're always asking me, I'm I'm, I'm current. And that that goes back, you guys, that really parlays into this one one I want to go, I talk about now. Um, Selling your product online. 
Mm-hmm. Right? License an idea if you're selling it, currently selling it online. And yes, you can. In fact, sometimes it's perfect, right? You, you've gone online, you're selling it, you've got proof of concept, people are buying it. If you've got a great story to tell, you've done a great job. Okay, yes, companies can look at that and go, wow, you have taken away some risk. You're perfect for, you're perfect for us as a student because we can help you now bridge that gap to make sure those companies see it correctly. But here's what goes wrong too. You sold it online and it is terrible, right? Mm. You, you, you have inventory in your garage, you sell it online and you don't have any test results. You haven't captured testimonials. You, you haven't done all these things right. So when a company sees it and looks at it and goes, you know, uh it's not working for you and it just might not work for us either. yeah it can be it can seriously be a negative it's like well how many units are you selling well i sell 50 a month they're like uh yeah so that could be a negative yeah you, you have to be skilled on how to tell your story correctly for them to say all right i'm still interested okay now on the got- other side of things you know 95 percent of our students have never sold a single unit and they do licensing deals because you can let them use their imagination about the potential for the product but steven's right you could sell some units and now you got to make excuses for why you're selling so little and you go well i was just testing and you know so it can be advantageous but it can actually hurt you too we have students too that have licensed 20 ideas that are still students. We also have we also have big companies like the Smithsonian. You know, so the Smithsonian has their own legal department, their own licensing department. You guys, the Smithsonian, they have their own licensing department, but they use us because that's how specialized it truly is. Right? Yeah. So it's a full range that we we are our members at at invent right from easy ideas to complex ideas to starting out i've been in the game i'm not doing as well i want to scale or even if i'm a company it's all over the board okay so let me get to the next one real quick um oh yeah number nine now this is this is unusual you guys it's not common but it does happen you've got some great idea but it can't be manufactured they they can't do it at a price point that even makes sense it's too expensive it could be a machine or it could be like you've done something to it that the mold's too hard, is it too two piece mold, or the investment's too much to get started. But there's something about it. It's either either it's over designed, like we talked about, or the cost is too much, or it even takes a new piece of equipment that hasn't even been made yet. That's a barrier for them to say, you know, that's too much risk. Right? That's number nine, you guys. We don't see that that often, but it does happen occasionally. So you have to be concerned about, hey, can my idea be manufactured at a price point that makes sense? And am I reinventing the world with some idea that couldn't even be made? But you know, it, it, we've had many students that come across some sort of problem there and we're able to help them fix it. Or we're able to help them respond to the company. Company can look into something here or there, make a tweak and fix it. A lot of inventing, as you say all the time, Stephen, is done after you talk to the company where you're making tweaks and changes. But I think uh, new inventors, they think that, oh, it is what it is and it's not going to change. And that's not really true. Quite often it needs to change in order to do the deal. And that's okay too. All right. We're going to do one more, then we'll get to some questions. Um, You're too new at this. You know, and you don't know what to say in the right sequence. And you're maybe you're being, you think you're doing everything right, but you're being too unreasonable. 
something came over to me with a great idea. And the person was asking, he says, look, I'm going to ask for a $10 million licensing fee. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Where did he get that idea? I don't know where that idea came from. Maybe Not. he thought the idea was so big that it warranted that. And maybe it does. But you guys, that's called top loading the deal. But if you're too new with this and they understand you're too new with this, they're going to have to educate you every step along the way. And let me tell you, they don't have time for that. And, and, and you could be a red flag the minute you say something out of sequence or you say something like sometimes someone will say, look, I've got a call with the company. I'm going to start talking about my, my royalty rate. I was like, wait, 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 wait. That's out of sequence. Right. right? You're, you're negotiating a royalty rate and you haven't even talked about some other things and everything impacts a royalty rate. So right away, you're telling me and you're telling them, you don't know what you're doing here. And that's going to tell them that you're going to be painful. And I don't care how great your idea is. They see thousands. Right. And so they don't they're looking at this way going, you know, this is probably someone that's going to they're, be difficult. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. They're not just evaluating your product, but they're evaluating you, but not the way that you think. You don't need to come across as a captain of industry. I think a lot of people are like, oh, I need to come across as super professional in every way. You don't. But you, you can't come across as wacky or unreasonable. So um, it's just about not coming across is a little bit crazy and you'll be fine, but you don't need to be a captain of industry in order to do this. You definitely don't. Most of our students are not. Some of our students have never done any sort of sales whatsoever. They're, they have never run a business of their own and they're able to do it. So don't feel like that bar is so high. You guys can do this, but if you say the wrong things, they're going to be like, oh, we really like this product, but this person's going to be hard to manage. Like the guy that's asking for $10 million or you're going to complain about the color they want to make it or something. He's a really sharp guy. I'm so surprised to see it. I was, I just said every, uh, I, I haven't seen, I didn't even know what to say. I wanted to say you're in trouble. You don't even know it. You're in trouble. Yeah. Here's, you guys, here's the other thing too. They're going to ask you questions. You probably don't have the answers for, and you don't even know what they're going to ask. So that's why you need you really need some help here. John says to this, um, Sylvia hasn't assigned a mentor to me yet. Yeah, I'm gonna call I'm gonna call you, John, right after this session, get you set up. You know what I like about that? So Sylvia's one of our advisors. I, I want to talk about this, you guys. When you join our 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 membership at InventRight, you get a coach. You get, a, you get a senior coach, you get Andrew, you get me, you get the negotiation coach. It's a team of people. It's really a team. It's not by yourself. <clears throat> Sometimes when you're doing this by yourself, it's you against these giant companies, and you're by yourself. How's that going to work? It doesn't work very well. When you have a team behind you that's got more experience than they do, it works much, much better, and it's a team, yeah. you guys. So I got you know, to put this in perspective. Um, because they've got a team, they've, they've got a team and, and you're trying to do this by yourself. So anyway, but here's, here's the reason why we're usually a stronger team as far as advice, a company, they're not licensing products every day. You know, that's all we do. So when we guide you, you're going to, you're always going to be, I hate to say it this way, smarter than them. 
you know, if they're trying to pull one over you or whatever, we're going to see it right away. Well, oh, we see these patterns with licensing because they don't do licensing every day. We do. So you'll always be more knowledgeable with us than, than, than them. I, I'm going to say this real quick. Josh has a great. If a company rejects your idea, how do you continue the relationship? There you go, you guys. There it is. They rejected you. Now what do you do? Did they reject you or did they just say no to that idea? I, I don't like the word reject. Well, for whatever reason, it's not going forward. So how do you recover from that? Right? How do you, how do you build a relationship from that? Right. Because sometimes when our product doesn't make it, we're like, huh, what do we do now? What what do we do now? I look at this and go, look, you're just one step closer to a yes. Because you're actually in the game. Oh, my God. You, you don't know how close you are to getting a yes, because you got in order to get a yes, you have to get a no. It's kind of they go hand to hand sometimes, you guys. So mm. that no isn't a bad thing. That no is a great thing, because guess what? You are actually in the game now. But right. now you need to know what to do next. Okay. So Andrew, when, so when you when you guys when you reach out to thirty companies and twenty eight don't show interest in this particular product, you made relationships with all twenty eight those companies. They said yes, send me the idea, and then they said no to the idea. That's how you make the relationship. You have established a relationship. And let's say there's two companies that showed interest, and maybe one falls off, and you do a deal with the other one. You know, so that's the way you you process this. You utilize your product, your first product, to make a relationship. Them saying no to you to a particular product did not end the relationship. It started the relationship. Okay. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, you guys, let me get through some of these real quick because I'm going to rapid fire go through them, and then we're going to ask yeah. more questions. Okay, um, you, you reach out to a company that just doesn't have the resources. You went too small. So you can do two problems. You can go too big. You go too big to a company, they don't license much because they don't risk averse. They don't have to. You go too small and the company doesn't have resources. You haven't targeted the right company. Okay, let me go to the next one. Hmm. Okay, um, there it is. I said it. You reach what out number to, are we on now? Well, the next one is number 12. You reach out to the big boys. You guys, I do it. Everybody does it. They don't license much. You got to find those right companies. That's a whole nother talk about who is right. Number 14. In fact, it's number 13. Companies um, Oh, yeah. You reach out to a company. They've never done a licensing deal before. <laughs> like, And, Andrew, we're seeing more and more of that, too. Um, it used to be years ago where most of the companies were kind of new to it. But you have to educate them a little bit. You have to take them along. That takes some guidance. That takes a little bit of skill, too. And not just when the company says we never licensing anything before. Can you send us over a licensing agreement? That's not the right strategy here. You've got to walk them through it a little bit. You've got yeah. to maybe do a term sheet. You got to you've got to you've got to educate a little bit, but not just say, oh, oh licensing. Here's a here's an agreement. I our our students do deals all the time, as you know, with companies that haven't done licensing deals before. But the first thing our negotiation coach Paul's going to say to them is, this is going to be a little bit more painful. Oh. This is going to take longer. And I think especially on those. Without Paul's help, our negotiation coach, the deals wouldn't have gotten done. There's a there's a different process for guiding a company that's never done a licensing deal than one that's done 15 or 50 yeah. or licensing okay. deals. All right, here we go, you guys. Um, that was number 13. If anybody's counting, number 15. They've just launched. Well, you went from 13 to 15. Uh, 13, 14. I'm sorry, it's 14. Okay. 14. Yeah, I got, there's a lot here. Okay, 14. 
they've just launched a similar product. Hmm. And your, your idea is fairly close, but it's different, but it's the same category because you reached out to them because they're in the same category. It's a perfect fit for them. But they just launched this new product. It took them a couple of years. They spent all this money on everything. And now you come along and go, hey, mine's better than yours. What do, what do you think these guys are going to do? Hmm. Just throw this one out? <laughs> just go. <laughs> it's that good, Stephen. They're going to do that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Maybe uh, not. Uh, I don't think so. Okay, that was number what's one? That was number fourteen. Yeah. We got okay, two I, more, right? No, just got one more. I'm sorry. I, no. I when, one. Oh, not, you promised everybody sixteen. There's one I'm not. There's one I'm not even going to talk about. Okay. I'm not going to talk about it. It's just too heartbreaking. I'm not going to okay. talk. Okay. Okay. All right. Number fifteen. Here it is, you guys. Number fifteen. The person left the company. Hmm. <laughs> Common. Common. You guys would be surprised how common this is. Yeah. Oh, my God. People that are really good only stay about two years, and then they get promoted to another company or another position. Mm -hmm. Either left or they've been promoted. And you know what's crazy? You've been working with them. Everything's going great. You call them. No answer. No answer. No answer. You realize, what happened? They've left. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. sometimes... You can you can you can get them to help you out, and they're really cool. They're like, oh, you you got to work with Sally over here. I'm moving on, and you know, here's my advice. But sometimes they just ghost you. They just All ghost you. You know. All right, you guys. There you go. That's there's my 15 reasons why your product just might get be rejected, or they're not going forward. Okay. All right. Let's okay. Here's here's a good one um, from Rick. That was really great, Stephen. Thank you. That was really great. He promised us 16. He only gave us 15, but he did a good job. He cheated you guys. I'm so sorry. He's cheated you guys. You guys should be really upset. I think you should write something in the comments about that. Yeah, please. Um, Rick, Rick says, when I get a rejection, I ask for advice on why they rejected it and ask if I can reach out to them in the future for other ideas. Um, Stephen, is there a right way and a wrong way to do that? Yeah, there is. Most likely, they're not going to tell you why. Most and of the time, they won't. Their job, you guys, they're not, they're not there to educate you and help you. But they will if you start to build a relationship. It's when you ask. I don't think you ask the first time you sent them an idea. I think it's too early. Right? I think if you sent them one, they say no. Maybe you sent them another one, they say no. Maybe the third one. The third one says two things to them. You're not going away. Right. And so maybe they should help you a little bit. OK, because if your work is good enough, your sell sheets look good enough and you've targeted them correctly. So they consider you a player. They consider yeah. you an asset. They are willing to give you feedback. So sure. if you're asking feedback for the first one, you're asking way too early. Yeah. But if they if so. But what you're saying is they say no to three ideas. What they might be thinking is like, no to these ideas. But. You're, you're pro, like you sent me a sell sheet. I got it right away. I could see this could be a potential for our company. I'm yeah. thinking no for this product. They're thinking you're a pro. So when you're asking for a little bit of feedback, it's also a, how you ask. Um, I talked to this one company at the hardware show, they're doing gardening products. And he's like, I never give feedback, Andrew, because this particular gentleman, he's like, I got, I had some inventors that were whining and arguing with me arguing with me and i'm like arguing with you he's really? like yeah he's like i don't have time for that so 
if you do ask, you ask very politely. You First, you always say, I accept that this product's not a right match for your product line. If you have 30 seconds and you need to write anything about any suggestions you have or what you perceive as problems with this product, please let me know. But I, I look forward to submitting you more product ideas. So you, when you tell them, I accept your no, if you have any feedback, let me know. And I look forward to submitting you more. That's a pro. That's not what most inventors do. They start to get whiny, get upset. And some of them will argue and go, you're stupid. That doesn't make any sense. You're not going to license that way. What's interesting, someone on our YouTube channel um, wanted to know if they could show me their sell sheet. And I said, sure. I gave them my, my direct email, which is really simple. It's my full name, Stephen Key at InventRight.com. So sure enough, the sell sheet came over. And I looked at it. And I thought about it for a minute because there was a couple of things that were interesting about it, but the cell shape needed to be fixed. It was not done correctly. But I went into the details of maybe why the questions companies are going to have. So I listed them. They're going to say, well, we can manufacture. What is the cost? You're asking us to do extra work. I mean, all these kind of things. And the person wrote back to me. They said, wow, I cannot believe you gave me that much feedback. Now, the reason why I did that is because that person has been following us on um, on our YouTube channel. And I could tell he was being very polite, but he was watching. He was learning. He wanted more. He wanted good information. And I was willing to give it to him. So that's because he 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 told me he was invested in our information. Right. That I was willing to help him. So you guys walk slow, build relationships. And then they'll give you some feedback. Good advice. Good advice. Um, maybe we have question time for one more here, and we'll wrap up here. Um, hmm, this one's interesting. From Rick. Uh, Rick said, "Would it be beneficial for me to make a sell sheet showing the manufacturing benefits or ease of manufacturing?" Stephen, I, I I feel like most of the time manufacturing issues or things should be handled in a couple sentences in the email that the and there goes exceptions in the sell sheet it's you're always selling to their consumer you're not saying oh how we're going to make a bunch of money if we only get two percent of the market you're not going into you know reasons why to license this you're showing them how they would market to their consumer and if there's things you need to cover such as like if you do a preemptive strike if their thought is like oh this is going to be affordable to manufacture and you say, look, I've, I've looked at the manufacturing. I think we can keep it down at a reasonable price, what have you. That could be done in the email rather than in the sell sheet because the sell sheet's for their customer, not for them. Correct. And, but there's always exceptions, but usually no, not. I, no, I agree 100% that, you know, we, we were talking about different levels here. You know, like when you file a PPA and made a sell sheet, you reach out to companies, you're at level one. You know, you're still reaching out to a lot of companies. You're not quite sure what to say. It's kind of new to you, but you're you're a, you're such a beginner at this. The next level is you realize, okay, now what do I say? What questions are you going to ask? I'm starting targeting not not all these companies, but pretty targeted. But I'm also maybe considering other things that they is important to them. I'm asking better questions. Mm-hmm. Then when you get to the third level, you might even understand what the manufacturing costs are. So you're right. You could say in another email, 
Um, I've done a bill of materials. I did a rest estimate, and it's going to come in between this point. I mean, there's levels to it, guys. But does it mean that you have to have all this at the very beginning? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But you have to realize, you know, you know, when you start to play the bigger games, right? You're you're really playing some exciting games with big companies, and you need to practice, and you need to be ready, and you need to work out, and you need a team. I mean, you need all these things to play in the Super Bowl, right? And you can't play in the Super Bowl when you're first starting out, and you're just throwing a football in your front yard, right? So you work towards it, and so that's what we're trying to tell everybody that. Number one, really love this process, love product licensing, love creating, love all that stuff, and keep learning along the way. Because it doesn't. We're going to wrap up in about two minutes here. If you guys could type in what you thought of the the live stream today, that would be great. Um, Stephen, I got a last question for you. Why do so many people tell us that they're they they're far along or they're advanced when all they've done is file a patent? which if they didn't file a provisional and they went out and spent 10 grand, most of the time it's a mistake. They filed a patent and then they made a prototype and they feel like they're really far along. Why so many people tell us that and they're like, you know, some people are like, oh, but I've done all that stuff. So because those are tasks. They, they just did two tasks. That's all yeah. they've done. But there's all the intangible things they haven't done. I mean, there's probably more intangible things than those two things. Those are two small. Those are small things. Those are big things. Those are small things, mm -hmm. right? What they've just done, and they maybe they've done this incorrectly too. Maybe they did file a PPA that doesn't have value, or maybe they've got a patent that no one cares about, or maybe they've got marketing material that people don't even understand. But there, there's all this other part of it. How to reach out to like we just did the seventeen the the what fifteen was it fifteen reasons why 15, you I did yeah you Egypt us with one okay yeah, yeah I did but I'm just saying those to consider all those fifteen things what does that have to do with the sell sheet or filing for a patent right so they think they're further along but no they've just kind of started. Right. So mm -hmm. I want to make sure people really understand that because I hear that all the time and I'm going, no, 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 no. You're, you, you're just beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be very persistent to do this, but the persistence might literally be two to four hours a week persistence and reaching out to companies. People want it to happen way faster than it does. Um, you need to be patient with it, but you need to do the right things. Being patient and not doing anything isn't, Kind of get you anywhere, um, and it, it goes beyond patents and prototypes without a doubt. So thank you all, everybody, for all the nice comments here. Really appreciate that. Well, I really liked it, you guys. If you like that format of me, uh, us providing the list of things while we go through it, tell us more about that because I, I like doing that too. This was um, this is actually from a chapter in a book, but also from a class I'm teaching too. You know, you just have to have this information. And, and like I said before, if you want more information on, on what we do at InventRight, if you really want to dive into all the content, please look at our program. Um, it's called Do It Yourself. It's $29 a month. It's so affordable. It's easy to do. But it will show you behind the curtains of all the information we have at InventRight. Yeah, I, I really like the new format, Stephen. We didn't get to everybody's questions. So feel free to come on back uh, next Thursday. 
Um, I also do a live stream on YouTube on Mondays and and we'll try to get to as many questions as possible. But I, I think the format was fantastic, Steve, and I'm, I'm sure people would love it if you did it again. If you want, if you have a question, it's just burning. You have to get an answer to it. You can always send me Stephen Key at inventright.com. I'll get to it. Okay. All right. Great. Guys. Thank you, Stephen. Remind everybody to take care and keep inventing. You know, catch up with you guys next time. See ya.